You're listening to Of Slights and Men with Benji and Jacob. A Daily Magician Production. And welcome back to Of Slights and Men. We are very excited because we are joined by, well, in his own words, the best guest we've ever had. Uh, and Benji, how are you doing today? How, how's it doing? How's, how's it going up there in England? Uh, yeah, it's good. It's uh, You know, nobody ever asks how things are in England, so you've actually thrown me totally off the question. <laughs> um Things are good. I want to get into the guest because I'm really excited for this episode. By yeah. the way, I just want to say you said the best guest. I just said I want to be that. I'm not, I don't think I'm. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I, I, I mean, no, at no, the no. end, people no, will no, be no. the best judge. Best guest. I, best guest. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll take the award and uh, <laughs> congratulations. Uh, it, uh, thank you. It's, it was, it's like 12 seconds in, and I'm already winning. So yeah. Exactly. Great. So yeah, for those of you who don't recognize that voice, because I know there's a lot of you now, you're like ah. Okay, <laughs> if you if you listen to Mad Magic podcasts, um, which obviously you do, because you yeah. listen to us, there's a a very statistically high chance that you know who this man is. Uh, his name is Jonah Babbins. He is the host of the Discourse in Magic podcast. Although that is only one uh, facet, shall we say, of Jonah's magic career. He started when he was pretty young, uh, I believe, three years old. Is what he said. Um, he's been doing uh, magic summer camps, uh, been flying out and performing for private events and uh companies all over the world um recently he started the toronto magic company which uh brings initially it was it was magic to the people of toronto now that we're doing a lot of virtual stuff it's it's all over the world uh his most recent projects have included uh, unconventional fun which is like a virtual magic convention we'll, we'll talk about soon um as i mentioned he runs the discourse in magic podcast and has interviewed people like teller darren brown uh juan tamaris which blew my mind blew my mind when i saw that um and I guess I'll let Jonah correct me if I if I missed anything, but hopefully that does most. I think all that all that is right. The only thing is is um, in my mind, I feel like the Toronto Magic Company was started recently, but in reality, like it was about six months after the podcast launched. So they've both been kind of you know running for about four or five years now, uh, but. Other than that, it's, you know, you, you nailed it. You got the wow. whole thing right. I don't know who told you that stuff, but, but you got <laughs> it. You got it perfect. Awesome. So you said you started the Toronto Magic Company pretty right. much a, a similar time to Discourse. This is interesting because as a listener to the podcast, um, there's, there's kind of a distinction, right, where, where Toronto is a local company, Discourse is a global company. And so in my mind, Discourse is always the bigger thing, right? It's like... Oh, because I listen to it, it must be the big company, right? This is the one that, that's uh, the real project. But from your angle, which one has actually been more work and, and you've put the most time and, and uh, sort of sweat equity into? Hmm. Great question. Um, let me give a, a little bit of context to how Toronto Magic Company came to be, which is that I'm only half of the Toronto Magic Company. Uh, ben Train is the other half. And when I started the Discourse in Magic podcast, I was only half of the Discourse in Magic podcast. And Tyler Williams uh, uh, was the other half. And he's since moved on to do uh, non-magic hmm. things and he's crushing it. Um, so just for a little bit of context, when the Toronto Magic Company launched, it was to do an open mic magic show 
happening in Toronto. Mm. So at the time, Discourse in Magic, at the time I was running three things. I was doing, I was a full-time magician and my side hustle was Discourse in Magic. And the side hustle of my side hustle <laughs> was the Toronto Magic Company. So, you know, when it started, it's very hard for me to say like what, you know, what was the bigger thing or what was like, you know, I guess me doing magic personally was was the bigger thing. As time has gone on, um, I spent probably most of my day uh, working on the Toronto Magic Company because I'm performing, I'm like running the business, I'm like, you know, doing a lot of different stuff. And Ben is obviously doing a ton of other things as well. But with the podcast, one of the things that I've been really moved by is making it something that doesn't take a full times amount of, of work. So, you know, an episode comes in every week. I send out emails maybe two or three times a week, but I now have some people like assistants and helpers um, who are doing a lot of the things that would have taken me like a lot of time, like actually scheduling some of the posts. You know, I don't edit the podcast anymore. I have phenomenal mm -hmm. editors, uh, editor, make it seem like the team, one guy uh, uh, who, who, who does it for me. So, you know, now it does kind of feel like the bulk of my time is spent on the Toronto Magic Company. And, you know, maybe a certain percentage of my time is kind of spent, mm -hmm. um, you know, doing the Discourse and Magic podcast. Uh, in, in reality, it kind of started as juggling three things, transitioned into juggling two things. And, uh, um, it's hard for me to say, you know, which one is, is whatever. They're both kind of awesome and fun and, and, you know, discourse and magic. I don't really worry about its fiscal success. Like I do some coaching through it, which is wonderful, but you know, it's a free podcast. So like, you know, I'm, I'm not really yeah. super worried. The Toronto magic company is a business. If it's not bringing in money or selling tickets, or I'm not doing virtual right now, virtual magic shows or, or whatever, then like it's failing, <laughs> right? Like it's not working. So I, I think I, I maybe, I don't know mm -hmm. if that's a good answer to the question, but um, now Probably Toronto Magic Company is my main thing and Discourse and Magic is my my side hustle. Um, and basically Toronto Magic Company has absorbed all of the solo performing that I was doing outside of the Toronto Magic Company. So that kind of like I perform inside of TMC and then I kind of do magician centric uh, um, and interviews and stuff like that inside of the podcast. I'm actually really interested by that because... <laughs> we we are big fans of entrepreneurship and of just business building and all of that. Um, and one of the first things you learn yep. is that you should never split your focus. <laughs> well, there's a lot of, one of the accepted things is just focus on one thing and make that really successful and move on. But it seems like you've, you've been able to kind of get past that rule. And I'm interested, how did you focus? Because you're performing, right? You're running this podcast and you're trying to build uh, the Toronto Magic Company. I love that How question. did you balance you know, all that? A, and how has it worked there's out? There's an entrepreneur who I love, who I've, I've spent a lot of time chatting with. His name is Noah Kagan. And, mm. and he said something really, really funny to me, which was he said, you know you're worried about your project launching if instead of having one project, you have three. <laughs> and, and But three is actually, I think, right. <laughs> the, the, the number that's actually closest to reality. And I don't know if that's crazy to you guys, but like you often find that we kind of rush to do three mm. or we do one and then we do another, we do another. Mm. And I think why we do it is because we want like backups to make sure that like, if something doesn't work, we didn't spend all of our time, put all of our eggs in one basket or something else like that. So I think that the reason why we do it is like, you know, a good thing. I think 
it's so obvious if you look at the growth of these companies that they grew when I did less. They grew like the Toronto Magic Company grew when I stopped having two other things that I was doing with all of my time. <laughs> the podcast grew when I have one and only one right. product that I sell. It's the only thing. There's nothing else, and I, I there's I I don't even like that's it. Right, done. So I think to answer the question, yes, doing one thing is probably the best way to grow. That being said, like what, you don't know what you don't know. Right. So when I started doing magic, I thought like, Hey, I'm going to be a full-time magician. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. This is how it's going to work. It's going to happen this way. And then you start doing it and you learn all the ways that it is what you thought and all the ways that it isn't what you thought and, and whatever. So I think we slowly learn, we change uh, what we want based on how easy or hard uh, uh, mm. things are or, or, you know, how they are what we thought or they mm. aren't what we thought. So I'll say that, like, how did I do it? I just juggling a lot. Um, I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah. Hard work, uh, you know, <laughs> not work. being afraid to, <laughs> to kill certain stuff when it's not working, not being afraid to, this is kind of a weird one, but um, I'm a big fan of putting things out before they're ready because I think mm. that like, otherwise you never put it out. So I think like part of the reason why yeah, just like a hundred percent magic. Like, the growth that happens once you start doing a trick for real people versus yeah. <laughs> sitting alone in your room is crazy. So mm -hmm. obviously, like that's where the the actual growth mm -hmm. is happening. And similarly with the podcast, like guys, I put out like two hundred and fifty episodes. They've been coming out every Thursday for like five years or something. They're not all going to be gems, right? Like they're not all going to be gems, but. The fact that something comes out every Thursday and I haven't missed one for five years is better than me worrying about, ah, is this a gel? Is this the best episode? Is it could be that? No, I do interviews. Not every interview is the best interview. Some are phenomenal. Some are garbage. There's solo episodes. Some are phenomenal. Some are garbage. And that's kind of, that's kind of it. So I think my, my best answer is speed. Right, like mm. you move fast, you try things, and you don't get emotional about what works and what doesn't. You you have to kind of remove yourself from the process, mm -hmm. and then you can start dropping the things that don't work and and keep doing the things that do. So I will say, if you're someone who's starting a project and you've got the wherewithal to do just one thing, amazing. But if you're like entering the world and you're excited about a lot of different stuff and you want to just try stuff, try stuff. Like just try stuff. Like who mm -hmm. cares? Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. So a lot to unpack there. Um, let me <laughs> let me do a, go for a couple of notes I actually uh, took, which I I don't. Maybe it's bad to admit this. I, I don't often take many notes, but I, I have a few there. So, um, actually, yeah, I like what you're saying about the speed. What well, one saying we have here, here at the Daily Magician, kind of like a, a company. I won't say it's a motto, but it's just kind of a thing that we we tell each other when we fill in, like, you know, one into I don't know, maybe something's not quite gone as well as we wanted, or we want to try something new. And that is micro speed, macro patience. Um, Love that. I see you're a Gary Vaynerchuk fan. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. I was just about to credit it. Just for those who yep. think I was, I was stealing that for myself. <laughs> yep. it's, it's, it's such a good concept. Um, and yeah, I mean, I was just going to point that out. Um, I want to know, I, I will go back to some of the other stuff you talked about because I, I do have notes of it. But one thing I'm just curious about now is um, what's the link? Like, how did you meet uh, Noah? Because I know, I think I know who you mean by Noah. That's, that's the AppSumo guy, right? Yep. Yep. Um, so I am uh, gutsy 
<laughs> so I like have no problem emailing people and asking for things. That's mm -hmm. how I've interviewed Darren Brown and Teller. And like, I just, I have no, I got no problem asking for things. And I also have no problem endlessly following up with someone until they answer mm -hmm. me. Um, so what happened was I, I follow a lot of different entrepreneurs, Noah Kagan, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, a lot of other uh, phenomenal people. Um, and what happened was Noah posted on a video and I, I do not watch YouTube, nothing against it. I just, it's just not part of my uh, regular uh, stuff, but I like was tuning in and catching up and he posted in probably 2018, but he posted like, uh, his goals for the year. Mm -hmm. And one of his goals was to learn um, some close-up card magic. So mm -hmm. I sent him a message. So first of all, I looked at all of his channels and I picked the channel that had the least number of followers on it, which at the mm -hmm. time was Instagram, uh, which he was posting on and I knew it was him. So I just sent him a DM on Instagram and I said, uh, hey, just want to let you know, maybe while we're talking, I'm going to see if I can scroll and go find the actual message. Um, but I, I said to him, uh, hey, just to let you know, every summer, I tour summer camps all around Ontario, and I teach literally 3,000 kids how to do card tricks. I can teach you how to do card tricks um, for free over Skype. Just let me know, and we can schedule a, a fun session. So I sent him that message. He like, I guess I'm going to scroll through and find it because it's it's right here. Oh, here it is. Here, I'm just going to send it. I'm going to read it to you right now. Is that cool with you? Yes. Yeah, go for Perfect. it. Perfect. We'll so I said to him, well. cool. So I said, love Heck the yeah. podcast, totally my favorite <laughs> podcast. And I listen to it a bunch. I'm a podcaster myself. I have some notes. And then I put in bracket, sorry, I don't use Twitter. Okay. Um, and sorry, I'm a I actually totally screwed up. This first message that I sent him uh, was because he was asking for feedback on the podcast mm. that he had just launched. Okay. So mm. he posted it on Twitter. So I sent him like five notes of feedback. Mm. And I just said, love the intros and outros. Um, and how you're getting emails for it. Um, keep the episodes 30 plus minutes. Leave the short episode, the shorter things for YouTube. Great work on bettering your audio. Love the interesting guests. Remember, if you're ever in Toronto, you've got free tickets to a world-class magic show. Uh, and keep keep it all up. Love all your content. So then he replied. He said, let's do Toronto. Thanks for the note. I said, much love. Messaging when you're in Toronto. That was November 11th, 2017. On November 12th, oh, sorry, sorry. On January 12th, 2018, so three months later, I said, saw your video that one of your goals is to learn magic. I have a free podcast interviewing the best in the world called Discourse and Magic, if you want to check it out. I also teach about 2,000 magic students every summer. If you want to learn anything or have questions, I'd be happy to teach you Skype lessons, whatever, all for free. It would be my pleasure. That was it. So he said, want to do a Skype lesson, looking for a card magic to start. So we did a Skype lesson. I taught him some magic. And then at the end of the call, he said to me like, okay, we're both entrepreneurs here. Um, uh, how much is this going to cost? So I had a choice to make. I could have um, asked him for money because, uh, you know, he's a successful entrepreneur. He started some seven-figure companies. So I could have, mm -hmm. you know, tried to come up with it. So instead, though, I said like, let's do this. Instead of um, me charging you, how about for every hour session we do, I give you 50 minutes, five zero of magic help. And then you give me 10 minutes of business advice. Um, and what was I really doing? I was just prioritizing the relationship over like the, it. uh, over the, the cost because like, mm -hmm. what, what was, what was I going to do? hundred dollars an hour. He was going to do 10 lessons with me. I was going to make a thousand dollars, like big whoop. So mm -hmm. instead we just 
you know, continued and continued to build the relationship. And then there eventually came a time where like we were texting or whatever. And he's like, Hey, I'm going to be in Toronto. And then he came out to Toronto. We connected. He came out to one of the shows. He had a good time. And then he flew me out to LA to do some shows. He flew me out to Austin to do some shows. And, uh, and yeah, and now we're like, we're friends. Um, and he's awesome. I love his stuff. He's a great entrepreneur. I recommend anybody who is listening to this, go check him out on YouTube, Noah Kagan. He's been like doubling and tripling down on his YouTube right now. And mm -hmm. he's doing like, right now he does videos about like how these like big YouTubers are making all their money. Um, so he just like breaks it down bit by bit. And yeah, I honestly, that's it. I reached out to him giving like first time I reached out, I gave him some notes and asked for nothing in return. And the second time I reached out, I offered him something for free. And then the thing I asked for in return was like absolutely zero effort for him. And it started a relationship. That, that That's basically it. I interrupt this podcast to give a brief shout out to our website, thedailymagician.com. If you haven't already signed up for our daily emails that will give you great content just like this podcast, please head over there and sign up now. That's thedailymagician.com. We promise that we won't disappoint you. Well, that's very useful. <laughs> um, is that a similar process that you would use on a, say, for example, like a podcast guest? And, and, and we're asking just purely selfishly here. Yeah. So I'll tell you the big secret about the world of magic, um, which is that getting magicians to answer you is a joke. Um, it's, it's honestly a joke. Like, let me ask you guys, you've asked people to be on your podcast. Um, what percentage of the people you've asked have said no? It's less than five, right? I don't think we've, I'm trying to think if we've had, we've had any, maybe, maybe right. one. Maybe, right. Yeah. Right. So, so the answer is that like, it's yeah. honestly harder to do in other industries because there's people that are like yeah. actually ridiculously protective of their time in magic. The A pluses are real hard to get. Everyone else is no brainer. Everyone else will enjoy it. So like there's probably maybe 20, 25 magicians, like legitimately, I'm not exaggerating. Mm. There's 25 magicians that are like legitimately hard to, to get in contact, to be able to like, you know, give you the time of day. And then everyone else is a no brainer. Yeah. It's, it's kind of fascinating actually with that, that, that just talking business and this niche is the difference in it. Why do you think that is? I mean, maybe you have more experience. I guess maybe because I don't know if it's just because it's a smaller niche or there's like less, there's more artsy niche. So there's like less business minds in it. Or I don't know. Why do you think the niche is so different? Or you like share something that is unique and then somebody reaches out to you and tells you that they actually like it or they want to talk about it or they have a question about it. Like it's so mind blowing, you know, like it, it's so. It, just mm -hmm. think like anybody, right? Like think about like if somebody messaged you and told you like, Hey, you know, I listened to the podcast. I love like in episode five, when you said this thing, like, it's just crazy, right? Like mm -hmm. it's really cool. So obviously you're going to reply and be like, Hey man, thank you so much for, for that thing. And for the most part in magic, um, we only hear of someone if we like, like their thing or they're doing something unique. And I think it's just a small enough fraternity that if somebody reaches out to you and honestly, like makes it clear that they know your stuff they know like what you do they care about you like it you know we've all in magic we stand on the shoulders of giants right like anybody who is not learning from others in magic their magic is trash you know like they 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 don't know anything like and i'm i'm 
exaggerating, but not really, right? Like if you're not learning from the best books or great magicians or amazing videos or whatever it is, like you're screwed. <laughs> so magic is built on us learning from each other. Uh, and I right. think it's just so ingrained in magic that, that like nobody is – Nobody is like too good to, or, you know, mostly nobody is too good to, to like share what they're doing. And for the most part, like, you know, the glamorous life that many magicians pretend they're leading, um, is just like, like, you you guys know the Instagram fake life, you know, that everyone is faking. So like, so like, you know, it's not like, I think that (laughs) magicians are so, uh, busy and entrepreneurial that they're so protective of their time that they this that they like I, I just don't think that I think for the most part they're just like bumming around and like waiting to book some gigs like having fun shuffling cards and like mm. someone reaches out and wants to do an interview or something it's like sure <laughs> no problem that sounds great mm. sounds like someone likes my stuff you know like so so th- that's kind <laughs> of my take on it yeah because I, th- I think often in magic you get it's, it's such an interesting niche in that you can get so deep into the niche that you sometimes forget to go out of the cave, right? And, and just sort of reori- reorient yourself in like, okay, there is a world outside of magic. Because when you're so deep in magic, the people at the top seem like incredibly, uh, like, you know, these are these celebrities. Like, this is Brad Pitt, you know? This is our version of Brad Pitt. Literally, and there's there's 12 right. of them. There's like 12 of them. And then everyone else is like, I, I completely completely and entirely you can yeah. get in contact with them you can <laughs> chat with them you can like like it's like you know p- p- magicians love magic like that's what i know magicians love magic so if you're reaching out to them to talk about magic or what they've done or a collaboration or to learn from them or whatever like it's exciting mm-hmm. and in general i feel like people just like to talk about themselves i mean i, I guess you probably know that better than anyone <laughs> after how many episodes you've done discourse in magic Especially Nobody on a podcast like where their name is as much as on the front, you know? <laughs> right. I think also um, one thing maybe that, that plays into it is... Yeah, exactly. If you're doing the outreach and, and you're approaching it from... Uh, I don't mean to quote Danny here, but from a magician point of view uh, of like, this is a magician that I respect and you sort of see this gulf between your sort of level of magic and maybe maybe this isn't true for you, maybe you're better than I am, Jonah, but like you think, wow, they're really good at magic and you get intimidated by how good they are that you forget to sort of, you're looking at it in that context rather than the context of like them as a person, like they're just a regular person, you know, they, they, I don't know, maybe they sell some books, but it's not like this huge business, but just sort of on the qualia rather than the quantity of like the magic is so good that you get intimidated. But what's been helpful is just not thinking about it like that. I also think that this is one of those things as well that is just true across industries. Like you think like Elon Musk has an aura that glows around him when he, no, he's just like you and I, he like talks and hangs mm-hmm. out and he's a normal person. And like, you know, every single person that you meet is a normal person. Like, you know, every single person that you meet is like a human being who's like more similar to you than they are different. So I think a lot of the times we think like, Oh, you know, I'm going to meet, you know, like I, I flew to Madrid to interview tamarese and Mm. he welcomed me into his home and it was like you know before we started recording or whatever like it was like a little awkward you know like just like if you went into the home of somebody who you didn't really know and they're welcome they're asking you some weird questions about life and you guys were kind of talking and you didn't really know each other like yeah of course and like okay so you know like so i guess what i'm trying to say is like we in our heads no matter what the industry is 
we build up that somebody is like this or like that and that somebody, oh, because they've accomplished this, they must be like this. And the reality is no matter what level you are, like basically human, like not basically, you know, like everyone's a human, you know, like basically a human. No, but look, look again, <laughs> same thing like human. Teller, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, like I, I was thinking to myself, you know, like oh, Teller, you know, he's, he's so busy and so like, uh, you know, I, I'm so worried to be like, you know, using his time in this way or whatever. And during our episode, like the tech crashed or whatever. And he's, he like texted me. He's yeah. like, hey, is everything cool? Like, do we want to like, of course he did. Because, you know, he's a human being and we were having a conversation and like, uh, he's not going to rage quit. <laughs> uh, no mention there. Uh, but he's not going to, he's not going to like, he's not going to like, you know, run away <laughs> and say like, screw this guy and whatever. Like he's a human being who is, is enjoying the fact that I am, you know, valuing his thoughts and opinions and that I did my research and and whatever. And yeah, he was a human being just like every other person I've interviewed was a human being. And, uh, um, you know, Darren Brown was a human being, (laughs) you know, like they're all, they're all human beings. I'm not sure about that one. (laughs) I mean, he's a God, he's a God. No, 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 I'm just playing. Yeah. The, uh, you know, it's it's, it's funny you mentioned that because we have noticed this idea of like, yeah, you can be, everybody seems like this this incredible magician and not that they're not incredible, but they also are, you know, like you say, human. And so we do a lot of work in, in copywriting and, and advertising. And, and one principle there is that, you know, like, again, like psychology is psychology. If it works, it works. It doesn't really matter who the person is. Yep. Not in like a manipulative way, just that's how it is. And so we've had funny stories where, I guess we probably shouldn't mention names, but we've we've looked at like our email list or, or like recent, you know, leads that have come onto the email list people that have maybe signed up for like a free magic trick we were advertising yep. and it's like this is something that i just like came up with myself and it's not like this crazy trick i just came up with it wrote wrote some copy about it and it's like oh my gosh like <laughs> do you see this jacob like look this guy's on the list this guy yeah on the facebook ad he, he wanted to learn this trick and yeah. again i won't mention names <laughs> so but funny. it's like i grew up watching this guy it's like what the heck like my mentor learned from this guy and he's just like hanging around on facebook sees this ad and he's like okay i want that <laughs> That, that's literally what it is. And I think that like um, one thing that we think of in magic, which is just not true, is we think that there's like this pyramid where like there's the the dozens of people at the top that are making it. And then everyone else is like, you know, using their stuff. And mm-hmm. the, if they at the top know everything. You know, the people at the top know 100%. And then the next group of people know about 80%. And then it keeps going down until you or I who knows 30%. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and, and I think, like, honestly, it's not true. For you to get to the top, what happens is you have to just be outrageously specific. So, like, you know, let's use Darren Brown as a really good example. Mm-hmm. Darren Brown is just as intrigued about a cool uh, billet switch as somebody else may be because he's like oh wow this is like a really cool invention that could be used he doesn't know of every billet switch before it's been launched right like Mm. someone can come up with an idea that he's never heard of before it's not like all of his advisors or or team have like come up with every single billet switch and that's it's done and other people are just scraping the the bottoms of the stuff he's already come up with like i think anybody can create anything uh yes i think you know, the more you learn, then when you create something, it's probably better chance that it's going to be better. Um, but anybody can can create anything. And we see it all the time. Like, like, I think it was ended up cut out of 
the episode I did with Darren. I don't even remember, but he reached out. He, he like mentioned a magician who made this like weird billet switch. And then that magician reached out to me and he was like, Hey, can you clip me out the testimonial so I can hear that from Darren? I didn't even know that Darren liked my stuff. Right. So mm. just as a, just as an example, <laughs> I think that we think that if you're at the top, you know, everything. And if you're at the bottom, you know, nothing. And it scales all the way through. And it's, it's mm. honestly not the case. Yes. If you know, if you're at the top, you probably know a lot. And if you've never done any performing and you don't really, you know, read any books, you probably don't know all that much. Um, but I think that we can all learn from each other and, and we all do. It's not like people that get to the top, like lock up, throw out their old magic books or anybody mm. that they think is stupider than them. Like, I think we're all just still learning from each other. Mm. All right. Let's... Yeah, that actually sorry maybe you're gonna say the same thing benji but i think that's just like a principle that in general i think it was um oh my gosh dude it's a copywriter's name that i always forget well, this time benji can you remember it's not gary benson dan kennedy i know him it's He's great dan kennedy yeah so yeah there we go dan kennedy he gave a really good talk uh during this the titans they had this massive event where a bunch of copyrights came together uh, and he talked about something where he said I was asked to come a question at uh, one of these talks that he was giving that really intrigued him, where someone asked him. Darren it's Brown. Kind of ironic no. who the person was, and I won't name it just because politics. Not in the advanced manipulation. It was Darren it was Brown. Copyright. Yeah. No, it's someone not, asked him at the convention. It's not too out there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, honestly, he probably has. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Dan, Dan kind of gets asked this question, which is, uh, "What are like the three books you're reading right now, <laughs> and like which one like would you say has like been the most influential?" And it's interesting because obviously Dan Kennedy is like best paid copywriter in the world for anyone who doesn't know. Uh, but this guy as well was also a super rich businessman that was asking him, which three books are you reading? You know, first the question shows, well, he assumes that Dan Kennedy is reading three books because he is. <laughs> and second, the question shows that you, you've you never stopped learning, right? And I think that's a really important point like that the, the Jonah brings up, um, not just in magic, but in life. Like the people that stay at the top or either are at Can the top, I share they a are weird constantly searching to learn more. You know, so one um, thing that, yeah. uh, you know, so I currently, yeah, I, I do a lot of coaching of of magicians, helping them with virtual magic. And one of the like, do you have a, you have a link for that? Um, if you, if you want to chat with me about growing your virtual magic business, um, m.me slash discourse and magic, and you'll start a little conversation with me on Facebook and just type the word upgrade. And then I'll tell you all about that. But the reason I was saying this was because, um, Right now, for the most part, you know, I'm helping magicians who are not, have not, are not where I'm at. Let's just say that. But there are obviously magicians who may want my help who have succeeded more than me, you know, in many ways. And they want my help to grow in a way that I'm growing, to share the things that I know. And one of the questions I asked one of my coaches is I was like, how do I in, in, like in my right mind as a fair logical human being charge somebody to help them with something when they have achieved it more you know like for example somebody who has been touring colleges all their life you know maybe they've made a million dollars you know in the last 5 years or 4 years touring colleges and i have a tip that they can raise their rates right i can help them make i'm like who am i to tell them how they can raise their rates when they've made a million dollars in the last four years doing something that I've never, you know, you know, I would haven't done a hundred college shows in one year. So who am I to do that? So I was asking my coach this question mm. and I said like, who am I to do that? And he said something really clever to me. He said, do you think that Oprah Winfrey's financial advisor makes more money than she does? Mm -hmm. 
And I was like, no, he does not. Or she does not. Right. Like, no, they do not. And, you know, part of that is, yes, if we all just look at the people who have the most money and ask them for advice, you know, that's one thing. But who do those people go to get advice from? And what Oprah Winfrey knows about building a brand, she doesn't know about investing in the stock market or, or you know, financial security or whatever, right? Like, so obviously she has a financial mm -hmm. advisor that may not have made as much money as Oprah Winfrey has ever made, but that advisor does know things that she doesn't know that are going to be helpful for her to, to grow or to protect mm -hmm. her assets or whatever the case may be. So just, you know, positioning that into our conversation about magic, which is that like, Yes, people at the top have achieved incredible, great stuff, and that's wonderful. Does that mean they shouldn't read a book of somebody who has created something who has not achieved what they've achieved? No. How would they ever learn anything new, right? How would they ever, you know, get better if they don't learn from the people that are making stuff right now? So I think that it's like, yes, we obviously don't want to give advice when we're not qualified to give it, mm -hmm. but also, you know, in the same sense, um, we we shouldn't necessarily say that our outcomes are tied with our, our, you know, um, knowledge, right? There's so many amazing magicians who've created amazing, amazing stuff and have never performed a professional show in their lives. And I'm grateful that those magicians are creating because uh, half of my magic wouldn't exist if it wasn't for them. Yeah. Not to plug myself too much, but, um, that is actually, I, 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 I like to think of myself in that way where. I mean, obviously I perform, but it's not like my goal is never being, okay, let's go out and, and perform on America's yep. Got Talent or this, these huge shows. It's more like, and, and the analogy I, I often use when we have guests on is like, almost like a scientist, right? Where you're in the lab, you're just cooking up ideas and it's like, all right, you go run with that and, and, and do something with that. I don't have time for it, but like, here's this thing that I found that's kind of cool. Uh, I won't tell you how to use it, but just know that like this exists and then go do something with that. And I think it's Aaron Fisher actually, um, who I learned a lot from. He has a way of categorizing uh, magicians, which you know you have you have mechanics, people who love uh, just you know practicing, doing the moves, you know, sitting at the desk. You have um, uh, I can't remember them all. You have showmen, people who love going out and performing, and you also have like thinkers, people who love just kind of like creating and coming up with ideas. And just because somebody's uh, a bad mechanic doesn't mean they're not a good thinker, and just because somebody's 100%. a good thinker doesn't mean they're a bad showman, and, and so on 100%. so forth. Um, I don't actually know what the question was there, but I just wanted to jump on that because I thought that was a great point. Well, you were talking about Dan Kennedy and uh, and him getting advice from yeah. from others. I don't think there was a question. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to tell you guys about Oprah Winfrey. You know, yeah. It was more, yeah. Anyway, I, it was more of a flow. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I didn't work with Oprah Winfrey or her financial drop? advisor. So. But, if, <laughs> but if Oprah, if Oprah, ever and wants I didn't work with Dan Kennedy, Kennedy guess, so you have yeah. that older one-two DM trick. Exactly. I know how to message her. Right. About it. And actually, to go full circle, you mentioned Gary Vaynerchuk. Mm, Gary Vaynerchuk right. and Oprah Winfrey. Oprah's first post on Instagram is a photo of her and Gary Vaynerchuk together. There's a little factoid. There you go. There's a little wow. trivia that you can uh, win trivia. or lose some money on. I don't know how yeah. trivia works. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, actually, I I'm interested. Um, we do really want to talk about... Um, yeah, before we just move on from all of this, I feel like we put a nice bow on that. But I did want to go back in for just a second uh, and ask you about kind of, I mean, we've heard a little bit about how your magical journey started. Um, I want to know, how did this business journey start? Where did that come from? Because it's not very often that you see this combination of uh, 
business minded. So just and for my clarification, you're kind of asking how my like where the entrepreneurial excitement came to be. Yeah, because there's a lot of there's a lot of we found. Yeah, like yeah, where, yeah, yeah, like where did it start? Like where did all of this begin? It's kind of like this thing where like, oh, I love magic, but I have to do this in order to facilitate it, and it's kind of like this yep. chore that they do. Whereas I, I get the vibe from you that you you like this stuff and you enjoy it. So a hundred percent. So so I guess. I guess the first thing that I'll say is that I like magic, um, but it's not my. I don't love it. I mean, I like. I mean, I love it, but I don't like love it. Like, let me explain. Like, I. It's been yeah. many, many, yeah. many, many, many years since I've stayed up till three o'clock in the morning working on a tr trick. Like, I just. It's been <laughs> like I was in my teens the last time I did that. And again, like you were talking about the classifications of, of magicians. Like, I don't practice. <laughs> like, no, but like, I don't. Like, I don't practice. Like, when I would perform um, in the real world and now in the virtual world, like, I know that I can do the trick, basically. I maybe will run through it like a handful of times to make sure I have the mechanics. I'll like know the premise in my head. But basically it takes 10 live performances and then I've got it. And then I've got something to like edit and work with. And, and again, I don't like, you know, I don't write out in great detail scripts and then I just, I don't, I, I love the action of being in performance. To me, that's electric and it's so much fun. Um, but I, my favorite type of performance is like a table style show where I get to just interact with everyone and look at everyone and joke with them and play with them. And like, you know, I'm more of a fan of um, uh, um, like raising and releasing tension like in a, in, a, in a show. And you guys know what I mean as magicians, right? Like I'm way more interested in the like mm. conducting of a group, you know, to, to react all as one unit and to have that like experience together than I am about like the mechanic of the move that it is that, that I'm doing. So let me just put that part out of the way first because – now I'll get you into kind of how I got into the entrepreneurship thing, which is I was in school for math, you know, getting a math degree. Um, and that was awesome and wonderful. And during that time, I would listen to podcasts. And the one that I found um, that I really, really enjoy is a podcast by Pat Flynn. Have you guys heard of him? Yeah. I mean, I've heard of the podcast. I, I must admit, yep. I haven't actually listened to All good. So there. Pat Flynn's podcast is called Smart Passive Income Podcast. And the term passive income is like evil online. Because like anybody who says the word passive income or Forex <laughs> or day trading is like probably a huckster. And like they're probably trying to steal your money. Um, Pat Flynn is like as wholesome of a person that I've ever even heard of in my life. Like he's just positive and wholesome and open and welcome. And, and like, he's just amazing, like really, really, really positive. And his stuff is like, Hey, there's no like get rich quick scheme. There's no like anything else like that. But what passive income is defined as is like doing the work up front so you can benefit from it later. And you guys know it, right? You guys are building an email list for a podcast. And I don't even know if you're selling anything, who knows, maybe in three years you will, who right. knows, maybe in a year, maybe not. Who knows? But you're just worried about building the relationships now. And then later you may do something. So that was kind of the hook for me. And like, it's almost like I went to day, I went to university for math and then my night school or my like, you know, the rest of my time was listening to the Smart Passive Income podcast, listening to, I think it was called the Successful Performer Cast, which is a magician uh, podcast. And there was a few other ones. And basically what happened is, I was like, oh, it was legit not going to be that hard to be a professional magician. 
Like mm-hmm. just legit, it's not going to be that hard. Like I can send out hundreds of emails using software. I can reply to people. I can hire people to help me. I can like, it honestly uh, uh, can't be that hard. And when I graduated university, I told um, Ben Train, who I run the Toronto Magic Company with, he was asking me about kind of what I was doing. And I said, if all I do is work on my magic business as hard as I'm working to get this math degree, it's impossible that it fails, right? Like it's impossible. Like I'm putting like five, six, seven, eight hours a day learning stupid math. Like it's impossible that the thing fails. So I think my love became entrepreneurship. I've always been an entrepreneur. Like, you know, when I was a kid, I used to make jewelry and sell it to raise money for charity, you know? And like I did a, I shaved my. Yeah. <laughs> that, that sounds a lot better than I did. Cause I would go down to there the you corner go. shop, buy um, chocolate and then sell it at a larger exactly. price. Exactly. I did. So I used to, I'm glad that you're making money I would raise money and shave my head and donate all the money to cancer. Um, so I was just like, I was ingrained in this like hustle thing. Like I had no problem um, hustling and asking people for stuff and selling things. And like, uh, I just had no problem with it. And what ended up happening was that being a professional magician was the avenue for me to explore entrepreneurship. And now basically let's call it 10 years after I kind of thought seriously about doing magic as a profession. Now, as you can tell, like the two things I do is a podcast, which is me not being a professional magician and then operating of a magic company, which aside from the performances, which Mm. are wonderful, but the bulk of what I do is operate a business, manage a team, Mm. right? Do copywriting, like, you know, all of these different things that I've, I've fallen in love with. So I guess magic is the, the medium I love magic. You know, I I, I don't want to make it seem like I, I don't like magic. I absolutely one hundred percent love it. But I like I, I I like I don't I don't buy any magic tricks anymore. Like it, it, I read maybe two three magic books a year if they like really really excite me. Like they have to blow my mind. Um, you know, just for the most part. Like, I don't even learn more than five tricks a year. Like, you know, and maybe that's an exaggeration, but like for me to add an actual trick to my repertoire is like, is like, you know, it it almost never happens. Like maybe, you know, obviously there was a big, uh, a big change with virtual, but even with virtual 50% of the stuff in our show is just versions of stuff that we did in real life. Right. Like, so, so I think that, my my first love was magic. Um, you know, obviously I spent 20 years just absolutely absorbed into the, like loving it, loving it, loving it. I still do, but I think that my love is operations, copywriting, you know, all of, all of that different stuff. Um, that's like my, my new love and magic is the field in which I get to kind of have fun and explore all of those things. And I'm, and I'm very, very grateful that, you know, Ben, you know, I run the Toronto Magic Company with him and he still, I mean, we're similar a little bit in this way, but, you know, he extra loves magic, you know, like he shows up at random online jams and he like, you know, we'll talk about unconventional.fun, but we've got an upcoming mm. virtual convention and he like messaged every single person in the lineup. He decided what would be a great lineup for a virtual convention right now. He's got hundreds of relationships in, in the industry. Um, and like he's friends with these people. He loves jamming with them and share, like he messages, you know, magicians who you think are like a plus 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 magicians and they call to jam 
you know, to hang out with, with Ben and Jam and whatever. And like, I honestly, I, I couldn't care less. Like I, mm. I couldn't spend two and a half hours jamming out on, on like a, a, like a, a mechanic. Like I, I honestly couldn't. Mm. So I guess the answer is I used to love magic and like entrepreneurship. And now I like magic and love entrepreneurship. Yeah. Well, that is a very, what is the word? I guess it's vindicating to hear. Cause I would, uh, we weren't putting words into Jacob's mouth. That is definitely the way we feel. Um, and we'll get back to this because I actually wrote, uh, I already had a bunch of yeah. notes. I, I just wrote a bunch more notes and I really want to talk about them. But I want to also talk about unconventional unconventional fun while the retention rate is still pretty good. Um, you mentioned earlier, it's funny you were talking about passive income because this seems to me kind of like the opposite where it's, it's this huge event one time, looks like it was a lot of work. Um, I'm curious to both know the magic side of it. Like uh, you talked a bit about Ben, but, but how is that all going to work? Tell our audience about it. And just from a, a curiosity type uh, standpoint, is this like a, yeah, you're like operationally, what even i mean without getting into numbers like where, where does the return on this come from and uh because it looks like it would have been a lot of work but maybe i'm maybe i'm wrong yep so i guess i'll talk about the second one first and then the first mm -hmm. one second um how like so let me just kind of say like yes i started listening to a, a podcast called the smart passive income podcast uh, i am not dense into thinking that People are going to randomly pay me money every month and I'm not going to be there and doing anything. Uh, like, like I know that's not the case. So I am not of the mindset that like, you know, every project I launch are projects that like need to make me money while I sip mojitos, you know, on the beach. Like, you know, I, I definitely don't think right. that that's the case. <laughs> that being said, um, one of the benefits of the convention is that if, Billy the magician decided to launch his own convention, which he totally could. Um, he would have a lot more trouble getting people on his lineup and getting people to attend because oh, I think I see where you're going with this. Right. So me, I've got an an email list of people who love, you know, the podcast or at least like it. You know, I got people every week who listen to a podcast. You know, Ben's got thousands and thousands of relationships in the industry with both magicians and with um uh um sorry both with like talent magicians and like just friends and stuff and i've spent the last two years of my life learning how to sell tickets to events and run facebook mm. ads and 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 so who could have run an 8-bit virtual magic convention and sell out 250 spots well, there's not a lot of us, right? Like it could have been me. It could have been Josh and Andy. <laughs> it could have been, um, you know, whatever, a handful of other people. No, 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 no. But like, like really Penn and Teller wouldn't be there. <laughs> Penn and like, Teller? Stuff. Like, you know, so, so like the list of people who would yeah. actually do this thing and think that there's going to be something positive uh, um, to be able to do it is like very, very, very small, right? So Part of it is the fact that like, what is my unique advantage? What is, I did an episode um, um, using a, a concept from, I think it's from Naval Ravikant. And then from there it comes mm. from another, another book, but it's a concept of four types of luck. And apologies for going off on a little tangent, but I think this is super, super relevant. Um, mm -hmm. Here's the four types of luck. Type one luck is dumb luck, which is when you like find a hundred bucks on the ground. We can't really optimize our life for dumb luck because uh, it's dumb. We don't know when we're going to find them. The second type of luck is called, is like brute force type luck. So that's like, you just knock on a hundred doors offering your, your jewelry that you're selling for charity. And like, someone's going to buy it. Mm -hmm. uh, no matter how many, no matter what neighborhood you're in, no matter what it is, like someone will buy it. You just keep hustling. The third type of luck is the type of luck where you are in 
you, because of your experiences and everything you know, um, you get to see an opportunity before other people do. So you get to jump on that opportunity. And then the fourth type of luck is where you have you have made such a name for yourself inside of an industry that the luck finds you and it stops being luck and it starts being, um, you know, like, you know, not luck, you know, people are re reaching out to you because of, because of what you did. So let's just give an example for all of this. So dumb luck is if, if I'm talking to my cousin and I tell them, um, about my magic and they say, Oh my goodness, my company is looking for something fun to do. Uh, send me your stuff. That's dumb luck. Brute force luck is if I um, collect email addresses of uh, companies and I just email one a day every day until one of them says yes. Um, let's skip to the last one, um, you know, which doesn't have a really great name, but it's kind of like luck that finds you is, mm -hmm. hey, you guys messaged me about going on to a podcast. Yeah. I didn't do anything specifically to reach out to you to be on this podcast. Yes, this is a wonderful opportunity for me to promote the convention, but you guys found out about who I was through podcasting and magic mm -hmm. and whatever, and, and you reached out. That's type four. But then type three luck is the example of launching unconventional.fun, which is that we are so uniquely you know, doing virtual and know how to sell tickets, have the audience, have the, the, the relationships and so on and so on and so on, that there's almost nobody else who would have been able to launch or do something like this, or who would have wanted to launch or do something like this. Does that answer the question? That answers the question in part. Rocking. Well, that, so the that, second think... part, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> or, or, or do you want me to talk about the second part, the kind of financials? Uh, I would share whatever you're comfortable with because I'm, I'm seeing here that is a very you've laid out really very well for, for me and, and Jacob and, and all the audience how you are uniquely positioned to actually create the event in terms of the actual like um, monetization of the event I guess that's that's the other yeah part of it, right? so like let's talk about the last one the last one was $50 a ticket we sent out a book to everybody um, who who bought a ticket we had a million mistakes with that. Ben put the, the two address where the return address should be and the return address where the two address oh. should be. So we basically lost a hundred out of the 250 books in oh, the mail. Um, and now eight months later, we're still sending second books to people. So absolute, absolute gargantuan, gargantuan failure. But let's just run the soft numbers. $50 ticket, 10 bucks ish. Let's just call it to send a book. Let's just hypothetically. Mm -hmm. And then the actual platform that we're on costs about 10 bucks a piece. So 30 people, 250, 250 spots. Like I'm literally going to type in the math for you. 250 times 30 is, is $7,000. And that's before <laughs> ad spend and before anything mm -hmm. else. So was this a, a banger? No, of course not. Like, like we said, we, we make more in one virtual show than we did promoting this virtual convention and the one we're about to run now no we're not sending out books we're, we're doing some other things um but the costs are going to be relatively similar and i think what i'm trying to point out is not for people to start counting the money because in reality one virtual one private virtual show you know between one and three or five thousand dollars whatever to do a virtual show like is way smarter and better and makes more money than promoting a virtual convention for for uh, you know two months but what it does do is, assuming people aren't angry at us or that angry at us about uh, you know the books taking a long time for, to get to them, what it does do is it builds confidence in the stuff that we do and people mm -hmm. love us and it's it makes money, right? Mm -hmm. So versus something like the podcast, which I spent however many years 
just promoting it, not selling anything, just like readily losing money every week, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's a great relationship building tool. Um, but obviously, like, it didn't make any money. This is an example of an awesome event. People love it. They'll have a good time. They'll gain more faith and love for Ben and I for the more cool events mm-hmm. and fun things that we do. And we get to make money doing it. So that's the first thing is if it makes money and people like it, uh, uh, it's really good. Like it's just good. And just if anybody's listening to this to, at this point, maybe I lost you already. But if anybody anybody is still left listening to this, um, that is what I would share is if you've got a project, as long as you can make sure that the numbers come out positive when when the dust settles, like just try it, you know, uh, you know, go for it. So that's the first half. The second half is like this. It's epic. It's epic. We found that we get to have a virtual platform where people could mingle around like an actual convention. <laughs> Their cameras fade into view when they get close to each other to jam, you know, and hang out and all that cool stuff. Like, who freaking cares? Like, what? Am I going to make a million dollars on a virtual magic convention? Like, am I going to make $100,000? No! I'm going to make $50,000. I'm not going to make $25,000 on a virtual magic convention. It's just epic. Right. It's just cool. So like I said before, like there's not a lot of people who could mm-hmm. have been able to pull this off. The fact that like it like the side hustle to the side hustle of our side hustle is launching an eight bit virtual magic convention that ends up like making some money is a win. It is a win. And just like, you know, yesterday we launched the convention. We sold like 50 tickets or 60 tickets or whatever. And like officially we've like you know paid back all of the upfront costs that we need it's like great great now if it sells out at 500 people phenomenal if 400 people come great if it's the same as last year and there was 250 epic like it it honestly it honestly doesn't matter so i think the take home is if you can launch projects with little downside and only upside, then it's just a really, really great way for you to move into, into an industry. And like when I launched the podcast, I, you know, I said to myself, if I never sell anything, nobody ever wants to work with me and people just decide, you know, they quit on me after and everyone decides no and I get zero listeners, then still it was worth it. I got to interview all my favorite magicians, ask them whatever I want and like, you know, whatever for four years. So like, it's a win. So I think the take home about it is if you make sure your projects are net positive, both maybe financially or either, or just whatever is important to you. You know, at the time of the podcast, it was just, it was learning and and all that different stuff, relationship building. Um, If it can be net positive for you, then it's just, you can only win. You can't lose. Mm -hmm. Right. I briefly pause this podcast to give a shout out to the Daily Magician Tapes Collection. This is a growing collection of exclusive audio training and interviews with some of the world's best, including the magician that you're listening to right now. If you'd like to find out more about the Daily Magician Tapes, head over to thedailymagician.com slash tapes. That's thedailymagician.com slash tapes. We'll see you there. That's a great point. And yeah, I think Jake had a question. Yeah. And talking of only winning, yeah, there's, there's a good little transition. Please, we talked about the logistics of it. Yes, Please tell yes. us everything that people so, can enjoy. So let me tell you what it is. So it is an <laughs> Fun. Please tell us about magic it. convention. What that means is it's like um, if you ever played Zelda or if you ever played uh, Pokemon. Exactly. Or like Habbo Hotels, like depending yeah, on that's when you're around. Gone. Basically, yeah. you use the arrow keys to walk around. And when you get close to other other 
people at the convention, then, and this is the kind of unique part, is your camera and mic fade into view. So that means that like, yeah, it is so, we've, so we, we found the software, you know, Where like you somebody brought this? it to our like, attention, <laughs> they're like, hey, this could be cool. And then we we're like, this is outstanding. So um, and we got to make cool. this happen. So um, yeah, people yeah. fade into view when they get near each other, you can jam. And also when you go into like the, the um, theater room, it's basically a link to a Zoom call. So you get to watch a lecture or a show in a Zoom room, which is just a little less, you know, uh, uh, just a little prettier, let's just say. You know, we've all seen now shows and lectures on Zoom and they work pretty well. Um, so you get to kind of mingle into the room and then it's got a Zoom mm -hmm. room. And then when you leave that room, again, you're using your arrow keys, walking around, jamming with people, hanging out. Um, so yeah, the last convention we did, the unconventional.fun one, which was September 27th, 2020 was we did one day and we could get as creative as we wanted to build the world, right? We custom built the world. And then after we finished the convention, I looked at Ben and I said, wait, we had literally boundless creativity as to what we could build. And we built a virtual convention center. <laughs> we built a glorified floor of a hotel yeah. room. Like, what are we? <laughs> it's like being in Go the matrix. It's like being store. in the matrix and just kind of like loading yourself. <laughs> exactly. exactly. I'm now a UPS. So we were driver. like, what? Why do we do that? So then we started brainstorming about kind of what the other, the new world could could look like, and we ended up on a magic amusement park. So now we've got you know, what looks like, instead of you jamming around what looks like a hotel lobby, now, you know, we've got like epic food trucks. Uh, obviously you can't eat it. It's an 8-bit world, but you know, it's epic food trucks and we've got some fun like puns and <laughs> you know what? I just Thanks put it out there. So... I was confused for a second. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the food we're gonna get angry at us. fades into food. view. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, so they're like food trucks and now you can kind of go jam around there. There's now instead of a dealer's room, it's a uh, um, it's like a concessions type thing. So it kind of looks like concession stands. You can go around and there's like fun interactive stuff and fun games. And but the big highlight is two things. Number one, we stack the lineup. Just absolutely stack the lineup. We did it the last one. We did it again at this one. So we've got like Eric Jones, Paul V Hill, John Gustafaro, Aussie Wind. Um, Suzanne, like we are just pop, 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 pop. We like absolutely filled the lineup. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing is, and like love every magician who's running Zoom jams. Love it. But it is not the same as jamming at an in-person convention. And I'm not saying that this is the same, but if let's say an in-person jamming is a five, not in terms of how fun it is, just let's call mm -hmm. it a five. A Zoom jam is like, a one and a half or a two. And this is kind of like a four where like you can say, Hey, let's go meet over there. And then y'all go over there and then you can jam as a group. You know, people can talk, you can all see each other. If you want to not hang out at the lecture, but instead you want to go to the jam, you can do that. You can. So it's just like, it really feels like a convention in that way. You can walk around, you can jam, you can like go to the dealer's booth. You can like, you know, all this different stuff. And we've got surprises that I haven't even mentioned that stuff that you wouldn't even think is possible in an 8-bit world that we figured out a way to do. 
And uh, yeah, food that, is back on the menu. <laughs> food. Yeah. Mm. No, by the way, I'll tell good you a music. funny story. You mentioned That's... good music. So we did this whole convention. It was great. And then three or four months later, we got someone reached out to us about doing their virtual wedding. And like we were doing a lot of virtual events and they're like, oh, let's do the wedding over, over Zoom and all that stuff. And they said, but we didn't mention wow. we found this unique platform. We're going to host it on basically the same platform that we hosted this event. And we were like, did you guys know that we ran a convention on this platform? They were like, no, we didn't. Mm. And then we went to their event and we had all these crazy ideas. They had a live pianist playing piano and blasting it through their wedding venue. Uh, they had little um, Easter eggs, like actual Easter eggs that you find. Mm. And when you, you click on um, like little facts about about the couple kind of popped up. So what's crazy is we're not only taking inspiration from the last time we did this, but like a whole other unrelated group who spent a wedding amount of money on, you know, building their own, uh, their own world. They came up with ideas that we didn't think of. And we are just like, just putting every single last thing in it. Cause like I said, is this going to make us a million dollars? No. Is one virtual magic show going to make us more money than this convention? Yes. But is it a heck of a lot of a fun and a crazy unique experience? A hundred million percent. That's man. I got to just freaking give you, <laughs> I just got to give you kudos it. for that. Just, I actually love moment. it. That's, I wasn't, um, I, yeah, I mean, I wasn't, not that I didn't think it was a, a cool thing when I first saw it, but it's kind of the thing where, you, you know, you mentioned email, I'm like, oh, I'll quickly hop on the website i was like oh that's kind of an interesting concept but you've yep won me over um well thank you i hope to see I'll, you there <laughs> one thing i'll ask um yeah what is the day actually just for, so our audience knows it's um february tw saturday february 27th and sunday february 28th there's one catch and one bonus the catch is it happens on eastern standard times mm -hmm. so if you're in the uk maybe a little bit uh stay up all nighty um the two little things the first little thing i'll say is people are staying up all night anyways because it's a convention and that happened last time but the second thing i'll tell you is all of the lectures and jam not jams all the lectures and um panels and shows are recorded and people will get the videos afterwards so like even if you can only make it for like five or six or seven hours over the course of the day and a half the convention's running you get to be a part of the jamming maybe see some stuff live all that cool stuff and you get the videos afterwards too mm -hmm. man that's a pretty incredible offer. I love how you've, like, that is quite the stack. <laughs> uh, I mean, as far as, like, for us, sometimes we have this frustration where we're like, can people just, like, not see how good of an offer this is? And this is one of those where you're like, I'm not even making that much money on this. Like, please come. So I would say to everyone that's listening, please listen to what Jonah just said. Like, he literally has just told you he's doing this for, like, the joy of just doing it. So it's an incredible offer. I mean, if you were going to go and get those... We won't name any magic company names, but if you're going to go get those lectures yeah, from the a different company, fifty bucks, uh, they will um, cost you probably and more like you know ticket. it's the same price. Um, as, like this is a yeah, day exactly. and a half of lectures and virtual shows. And by the way, let me just say say this: if you've heard all this and you're like, eh, I'm not sure, let me think about it. Do me a favor and go to the website unconventional.fun, mostly because Ben and I recorded a stupid looking video where I dressed up like a a a uh, like. Uh, carnival barker and he dressed up like an actual clown and we did the video so even if you're not going to go to the convention just go watch the video it's funny and it's stupid and again you know part of this is if you can do projects that are only upside 
then there is no, there is no, there is no downside. So like you guys said before, like, this is a fun, awesome thing that we're so excited to put our names behind anybody who, who, and like, you know, part of, I guess, why you guys asked is like anybody who's with it, you know, in their right mind can mm. run the numbers themselves and realize mm. this isn't like you know, a big moneymaker. You know, it's not like we're, we're going to retire after we run a virtual convention. Um, but it is just like, we, we loved it. We had so much fun. It was crazy. Like mm. running our house, like a, like a headquarters for 24 hours last time. It was bonkers um we like had we got donuts and candy and whatever just like around our house to just run through the day and uh it was just a bonkers good time the first time and and when we finished we sent a, a little poll out to people and 96 percent of of the people that kind of answered the poll said like yes you guys should do another one and we'll be there so we were like the okay the other four percent were the ones that thought there'd be food <laughs> the four percent of the ones that still haven't got their books yet <laughs> <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm just playing. <laughs> All right. Well, well, we'll make the announcement Booyah. live on Agile. We'll, we'll be there. Done. Like, you've We're so excited us. to see there. Excited to jam. We will be there. Uh, I know I said that I don't actually care about jamming, but uh, what I what I really do like <laughs> is I don't have anything new to show anybody. <laughs> so what I do is I see people's cool stuff, and then the one thing that I am my secret passions in the world of magic, like you know, I don't I don't love mechanics. I don't love um, you know, really difficult slights, but, but what I absolutely love and why virtual has kind of been a real fun win for me is my secret obsession is self-working card tricks. I love self-working card tricks because I think that they are, um, underrated. I think magicians think they're all math problems that spectators know how they all work. And I think that like, absolutely not you know i do a trick i do a, a virtual cards across where i get a card to vanish mm. from one packet on your side of the screen and appear in the other packet on your side of the screen and it is bonkersly fooling and what's most exciting about it is that i was doing it at real conventions uh, mm. back at you know back like every magicians were showing each other their new like dps's and i was just like Hey, like take 12 cards out of your deck and you know I'm going to show you this uh this Jim Steinmeier <laughs> trick that I've been that I've been playing with. So, mm. um that is my secret passion and especially if if you guys are like doing virtual or at least just kind of doing anything anything fun in the virtual world right now or audio or whatever the case may be, um ask and if you're listening to this and you want to come ask me about self-working card tricks, I have like 25 that I just like ba 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 at conventions that I absolutely love. So, uh, I probably won't care about your ace assembly um uh, uh not you guys specific anybody assembly uh uh or your your version of a version of triumph um but if you got self-working card tricks or you want to see self-working card tricks definitely come find me that's that that oh, i love jamming on yeah, oh cool an ace assembly or a self-working card trick no no so well actually oh good i'm technically aces aces are involved but it's no, kind of like a self-working ace assembly oh that's uh, all good <laughs> i was just joking about the people who like you know you know like show me a thing where they like do 19 different mechanics to basically move three aces from their piles to another. And I'm like, guys, just use double stick tape. Like, please <laughs> just use the double stick tape, please. Like save us, save us and save your audience, please, please. If, um, and if, if any of our uh, inner circle members are listening to this, you, you guys better make sure you're there and we'll be able to hit you up and speak to you and, and see what's up. We'll do, like you said, we'll make a little corner. Yeah, we'll have a little... Yeah. Oh, by the way, one of the, one of the fun things that could happen last year that like 
small magic groups um, or like people who are part of other magic groups were like hosting little jams. So like I think Lost Art had a little meetup somewhere and, and a few other groups. But right now, one of the things we, again, one of the problems with the last one that we put in a convention center is you can't be like, meet me at the table. Like it's all just tables, all they're all just, you know, tables that like maybe at the table with the chips on it, right? Like, you know, very hard to tell the difference. Now we, because we expanded the number of people, we also like expanded the size of it. And one of the reasons why we put the food trucks is not just because they're like cool looking food trucks, but mm. because you can say like, hey, meet me by the uh, Darwin or cheese food truck um, <laughs> uh, or whatever stupid jokes we made. We got a whole bunch of dumb, dumb dumb jokes like that but um like there's actual locations that you can kind of tell people like hey meet me by the this or by the that and the other thing we did is um and i know i'm just kind of rambling about this but hopefully hopefully there's some fun little aha moments but last year we did it one day the convention and this year originally we were going to do like just a short night before so that people kind of understand how the world works and then a day that night slowly grew and grew and grew um so now it's like a half day and then uh and then a full day but really what that does is it allows people to go check out the world on the first day kind of get a feel for how it all is and then like a convention kind of set a plan for the next day everyone's got the schedule everyone's got the whatever so you can be like okay we're meeting at this time at this location to do this thing um and kind of like do your own little meetups and hangouts once you see who's who's showed up and and a whole bunch of other fun things like that so uh, that's how we decided to do it this year try to make it even more uh jamming friendly for people have you because the thing is about this right and, and maybe i'm just missing it because i'm not on the okay. inside and i'm sure there's i'm sure there's all kinds of things that aren't amazing about this you know in terms of the, the actual production of it and stuff headaches you have to sort out not the actual thing itself but what's stopping you from turning this into an evergreen kind of thing you know maybe people just pay a monthly monthly fee and they, they can access it is it just a sort of supply demand thing um so it's actually funny there's a few magic groups that that reached out to us about collaborating on something like that i think there's two answers the first answer is um, I think the novelty of it wears off a bit, which is that like for you to mingle around an mm. imaginary virtual world to go to unique locations to show each other card tricks is like fun for like 48 hours or 72 hours. Mm. Like once the locations are built and once you've seen everything and like if you got three to five to seven to 12 people that you're jamming with, like do it on zoom right like just just jam on zoom like you guys will know each other better like set a schedule jam on zoom like uh you know it's a good platform but i think it was invented in the last year and a half or two years and like zoom has been around for like a super long time and you know so like skype or, or you know whatever it is are like really really uh this is a team of coders in la there's like five people mm -hmm. behind this behind this thing yeah, yeah. so like i would say that it's still a little janky like it's it works it's functional it's great um but like there's still like every now and again there may be like a little bit of a glitch um you know you're walking left and then you end up in like another room or something like it it happened a little bit at the first one it hasn't happened yet um since and they've really been been debugging but i think like the novelty of mingling around a world with your eight friends kind of kind of wears off um and the second bit is that like I don't know. I think that things are special because of their 
uniqueness. I, I don't imagine that people are going to be like, let's go back and hang out at the virtual world again this week. And like, you know, I think we'll probably save that for VR. <laughs> I think this is cool. Cause like, you don't know what the place looks like. You show up and you know what the place looks like. You get to kind of learn about all the, all the, all the locations. But one of the hardest parts of doing this is it's actually a, a basically tile type or, or kind of eight bit type graphic designer that we work very, very closely with to build the world of our dreams. So like how, how long it takes us to record a video promoting the event and build a website is nothing in comparison to how long it's been taking us to build the world. We're like on the last convention, we finished the world hours before the convention went live mm. on this one. We're probably 85% done the world right now. And we've been working on it for two months and it's going to go live in whatever it is like 20 something days. So I think that, um, I think that the building of the world and making it unique and special and having a bunch of fun inside jokes and things like that, um, is cool for the two days. Um, but I think as an eternal thing, probably probably better to to jam on zoom it's like saying hey why don't they do magi fest every week and whoever wants to come and show up it's like because magic conventions are cool because you get to go to a magic convention like otherwise it's like a magic club and it's a different mm -hmm. thing that's a great answer all right um well i <laughs> now that we've uh yeah. exhaustively kind of covered unconventional fun i must i kind of want to return to a couple of notes that i made earlier that i'm yes anything very, uh interested in so you you were talking about look before and there's a guy uh, maybe you listened to this podcast i'm not sure it's it's a pretty recent one but it's kind of been uh got very popular over the last maybe year or so it's called my first million it's a little bit of a kind of like catchy title but the actual i think content, i've heard of it but i, I haven't uh, listened to it i would just kind of drop everything after we do this podcast okay later <laughs> later peace <laughs> the, the guy who hosted it called uh sean uh, i don't know pronounce it sean Puri, maybe. <laughs> And there was one episode where they were talking about him and him and a buddy. And obviously these guys are, you know, they're pretty smart. They know what they're doing. They've built and sold huge companies. And they were talking about uh, their favorite interview questions. And I think he said it was either him or the guy he was talking to said that his favorite interview question is, uh, you know, you, you bring someone in for a job and you ask them, hey, uh, you know, on a scale of one to 10, how lucky do you think you are? And the kind of the criteria or the way they, they, they thought about it in their mind. Um, you can tell me if you disagree is that if somebody, if somebody, they're always looking for somebody who rates themselves as very high on that scale. Okay. Cause if you rate yourself as not lucky, you know, you, your outlook probably isn't that kind of like a, you know, optimistic, uh, hmm, interesting. maybe you're not going to be great to work with. If you're in the middle, that tells them, right. Okay. You're doing some things, right. You have some talent, but it's almost like kind of like you talked about where it's like, it's not quite dumb luck, but it's like you're doing the right things. You just maybe you don't know which one. Maybe you've done like 10 things and, and you know those are all decent and one of them's getting the results, but you don't know. Okay, so you're kind of in the middle. And then if you've rated yourself really highly, maybe like a 9 out of 10, there's like two possibilities. <laughs> one is that you are actually very lucky, in which case, great, let's, let's hire them. We want some of that luck on our <laughs> side. Or they're very skilled and, and opportunities just kind of fall into their lap, like you said, because of the, their actions and what they go do. Um, I think that's an interesting question. I don't know if I... I don't know. Do you do you fully agree with that? I'm not, I'm not sure. I haven't thought about it too much, but I think it's I think that, in that view. I think that that delineation that I gave you earlier about the four types of luck, which came from Naval Ravikant, which came from a different book. Apologies that I don't remember the whole rabbit hole. I I 
if you just Google four types of luck, you'll figure out kind of where, where it came from. But, you know, I think that, that mm. lesson about luck um, kind of helped me reframe it because I think that I used to feel like I'm not very kumbaya, wishy-washy, like, mm. you know, uh, vision board, the secret, like all that stuff is like the nemesis of me because not that I don't believe in positive thinking and that I don't believe in like positivity. Like I'm a real positive dude. Like I, I'm, I don't like negativity, but I also don't feel like by you, like posting a picture of a, of a microwave on your vision board that like, you're going to bring microwaves into your life. Like, I, I don't think that that's true. Um, so to answer the question, I think that like, if you think of luck as the first type of luck, dumb luck, then I can't help you. Like, I don't think that that means anything. If you walk through your life thinking that you're like lucky, like dumb luck lucky, like that great stuff just happens to you, like that's meaningless to me. I don't know. Like, I, I, I think we all more or less have great stuff that happens and, and stuff that, that doesn't happen. Um, I think that if you are a little bit more conscious about where and how and, you know, where those things come from, I think that we can start talking about luck in like an intelligent way. So for example, you know, you were talking about how lucky, you know, somebody might be on a scale of one to 10. And I was thinking to myself like, okay, I feel like I've achieved a lot through hard work, but also I'm a white male who grew up in a relatively, you know, like middle-class household. I went to a private school for like many years of my life. Like, in terms of the random lottery of like, you know, not having a difficult upbringing, like I won, right? So, so I, I guess on the scale of one to 10, it just starts at six, right? Like, you know, I, I, I don't get to say, oh, I'm a one out of 10. I achieved everything through like, no, you know, like I had the ability to go move into my parents' house after university for a year to figure out how to get my personal magic podcast and Toronto magic company started and not have to worry about paying rent or, or getting a job or, or something else like that. So I think that like, you know, you have to be aware to how and where the luck comes from. Uh, it's an interesting thought experiment, that question of, of where people rank themselves. Uh, I, I, I can't, you know, yeah, I was gonna say, it's hard for me to say that somebody ranking themselves high is great and low is not great. But I think that like, I'm more interested in why you think you're mm -hmm. lucky rather than like somebody just carrying a good luck charm, you know, or a rabbit's foot on their keychain. Mm -hmm. I think, right. Well, it's like your interpretation of luck, right? Like, I guess that goes exactly what you just said, right? But it, I don't know, people can see luck in different ways as far as, yeah, in those four categories. And thank you for saying that because I, I actually wrote that down. I'm definitely going to look that up. Because um, I think it's not naming any names, but we had um, some people on form they kind of mentioned luck and how just like they had that view of just everything is blind luck and like if you're successful like, like whatever nonsense. it is just blind like luck like there's nothing nonsense. you can do to control it you're just in the right place the wrong yeah exactly and, and once you get and i think that's honestly why i think i mean for instance like oh, i just i just feel like entrepreneurship opens you up into this whole world even if you don't want to start a company or even if you you know, whatever it might be. I just, I really urge everyone to just look into some of these principles because like this thing with Jonas saying, it really changes your outlook on life because as soon as you become aware of the fact that you are in control of your life and that your decisions, you are completely in control of your own decisions and your direction, it makes such a huge mm -hmm. difference. And yeah, I, I just love that because it's so important to remember that like we, yeah, like you said, it's, not everything is blind luck. Obviously, you know, we got lucky that you wanted to launch unconventional 
right, we got lucky, right? That you wanted to come on, you were looking to go on podcasts because you wanted to promote your products right now but also at the yeah. same time if we didn't reach out of to course. you and ask you to come on the podcast one of the things then that you were talking about the lessons from entrepreneurship <laughs> one of the big lessons from entrepreneurship for me is and even if even if you try a bunch of stuff and they don't work one of the biggest things that i learned is that output is like really well tied uh to to input and let me explain what I mean. There's a oh my God. Dude, I literally I wish you're on I wish you're on Zoom because I literally have wrote down input versus output, circled it and said like Love it. Oh, so there's a it. there's a symbol in math and in physics. And it kind of looks like you know when you draw a fish, um, mm -hmm. like the, a simple fish, it's kind of like a squiggle. Uh, yeah. it, you know what I'm talking about, right? And you draw a little fish with one stroke, like it's like a you know what I'm talking about. It's like a, almost like a circle in a triangle. So it looks like that without the tail yeah. that closes it. So it's kind of just like a uh, a loop uh, facing sideways. And what that symbol means is proportional. And what that means is like, hey, let's say, you know, you put one unit of energy or you put a hundred units of input into this thing. You're not necessarily going to get a hundred units of output, but a hundred units of input is going to get X amount of output. And then a thousand units of input is going to get 10x amount of output, right? Like if you send a thousand emails, you're going to get about 10 times the amount of positive replies yeah. than if you send a hundred emails. And I think that the little message or the little thing from um, entrepreneurship that anybody can take is that like, even if you do every single thing wrong, like even if you just botch absolutely every single aspect of absolutely everything, um, your outputs will still be linked with your inputs. Like if you don't know how to send an email, you don't know what to put in the email, but you just find a list of 150 people and you offer them your magic services, like someone's going to say yes. Like, yes, the better you get at writing emails, the better you get at collecting the right people, the better you get at a million different things are going to change, you know, how much it, how much the result is. But your outputs are tied to your input. So people who are like sitting there doing nothing and wondering why they haven't struck success yet, it's like, guy, it's because you're not doing anything. Like just yeah. clearly, you know, right. and like, and we mentioned <laughs> earlier that like we learn yeah. by doing, right? So like you send your first, let's, and I'm just using email as an example. You send yeah. your first hundred emails and like, if you got no answers, like you tweak something, maybe a different person, maybe write something different. So I think that like um, my biggest pet peeve on the world is like inaction right? is like people just like doing nothing, chilling around and then like talking about like all the things that are going to happen. Oh, oh, I dream. Oh, oh, you know, when I'm older, I'm going to travel, you know, travel the world. I'll be able to work from just my laptop while I'm, and I'm like, well, what on earth are you doing right now to even mm. make that even remotely a possibility? And like any action makes me excited, right? Like yeah. any action's positive, but nothing is like nothing. There's a, I, man, I just freaking love input output. And I used to, well, I guess I still do. I used to talk about it more. Um, I guess it's the same thing, you know, lead measures versus lag measures. And when Love that. when we started, well, not when we started the Daily Magician, because I started it a while back and I just had it as kind of like an affiliate website uh, doing SEO and collecting Amazon money. Um, but when Jacob came on and we started launching the Daily Magician more as a, a full brand, right? I was obviously kind of trying to teach Jacob the ropes of SEO. Um, and so we were writing blogs with both of them. <laughs> <laughs> and everything we were we were writing blogs <laughs> just and posting everything them. And in business obviously please tell me if i misrepresent jacob yourself at any point but 
you would sometimes ask me like, all right, um, okay, when do you think this is going to rank? Like, when do you think the traffic is going to go up? And I'm like, bro, we literally have zero control over that. Literally zero control. But you know what we can control? I'm going to write like 10 blog posts this week. You're going to write 10 blog posts this week. And like Jordan just said, even if we don't know what that output's going to be, it's going to be 10x or infinite x if we haven't done any, you know? And the measures, like the results, the outputs that you see today are the right. results of inputs that went in yesterday or two months ago. Or like, there's a post, I think, if you Google um, magic kits for kids, uh, and, and I think we rank maybe one or two, it probably depends on your geolocation. But I think I wrote that in summer of 2018. And that only really started making money years after it was written, you know? And that's a perfect Guy, example. I have a with. post on the Discourse and Magic site that I did four years ago called How to Make a Magic Website, okay? Mm. And it's it's like basically teaches you how to like buy a domain, how to, you know, get a download WordPress, get a WordPress theme and put it on the site. And a few of the links of that are affiliate links. And I say, you know, mm. hey, these are affiliate links, you know, da, da, da. And right now, if you go to the Discourse and Magic website, you cannot find it. Like via navigation, it is not possible mm. for you to find it. I've made it not possible. Um, mm. But still, that post is one of the busiest pieces of traffic that the site gets just from Google or whatever. People go once every like four or five months, I get notified that I made like a hundred bucks from this like affiliate thing, you know, because like seven purchases went through, whatever the case mm -hmm. may be. And like, I had no idea what, what, what it would be. I just wrote the thing. I, I, I just like, you know, I, I can't like you know, check your PayPal every minute to see, did anybody buy the damn thing? And I think similarly, you know, like I'm promoting this unconventional.fun over the course of the next two weeks, I'm going to be on live streams, podcasts, webinars, lectures, just absolutely everything. You know, I've got the discourse and magic email list. I've got the Toronto magic company email list. Do I know where any ticket is going to come from? No idea. Do I know if anybody who listens to this is going to be interested in being a part of the convention? Literally, I have no idea. Not sure at all. Not to worry. I know that what I'm doing over the next two and a half weeks is going on every single podcast, live stream, lecture. You know, if, by the way, if you're listening to this and you wanted me to be on your thing, before February 27th is probably the best time for you to get me to do it. Um, uh, but just in general, like, do I know which one of them is going to strike or which one of them? No idea. Honestly, no idea. Not concerned about it. Just not concerned. I'm just showing up, doing it, everything I can, sharing the cool stuff, you know, that I'm up to. If people want to be a part of it, phenomenal. If they don't want to be part of it, phenomenal. I literally will never have any idea where people found this unless they tell me. Uh, and that's cool. I don't care. Hoping to sell 500 tickets. I love it. I, I, if I can, I think it's kind of interesting. I, I love your entrepreneurial journey and I love your magic journey as well. And I just kind of want to, I don't know if this is getting towards the end of this podcast. Um, I'm sure Benji has a few more questions, but I just wanted to kind of summarize for everyone. <laughs> if I can, um, please obviously jump in, Jonah, if I say anything that you don't think is true. Um, but what I'm getting from you, and if I was going to take some of the biggest lessons I've learned during this hour and 25 minutes that we spent together, uh, is that you're definitely someone that just gets up and goes. Uh, and I love that you didn't, you didn't like panic, right? When it came to, as far as you could have, maybe entrepreneurial convention would have told you to like drop on maybe Toronto. to never start like Toronto. I, assume. I didn't like, start the Orlando company, one. right? Or uh, 
Toronto. Well, your branding is Orlando. Orlando. What, what am I saying? Jacob yeah. remembered it. That so was well. me. No. Well, the second two well, words. I'm just all good. Yeah. Isn't, Sorry isn't about that. Orlando. I don't know why Florida. I said Orlando. It's because my. It's because we're gonna go to. That's yeah, yeah. That's that's Disney. It's because we're going to Disney soon. That's why it's in my head. Anyway. Back to the point, okay? You, you anything could have told you, right, not to do that, right? To start those two together, or to do, you know, not to start discourse in magic. You know, everyone, and especially in kind of, I don't, again, I don't want to annoy anyone, but kind of in uh, American culture, at least what I've noticed is it's very a lot of high pressure to go to university to get your degree. You kind of need a master's to do like whatever it is. Uh, anyone would have told you like not to live with your parents, you know, all of those things. But you decided that that's what you wanted to do, and you hit it hard and you did it straight away and i really respect that um and i love that you as we talk more i kind of get this i love that impression that you give off and even with this unconventional fun it's like i'm just going to do it because i want to (laughs) you know (laughs) and i'm going to do it because i can uh and because i know that i will put like 100 percent effort into making sure that that works um and i think that's a really inspiring message um your career so far and just your brand in general is you know for everyone that's listening if it's something that you want to do just get out and do it, you know, because I think Jonah's is a great example of someone that's seen the success of that. He's met, you know, you talk to, I'm sure when you started Discourse of Magic, you didn't think, you know, or maybe you did tell me if you did, but I you think know, I'm going to land when Tyler and I uh, started Teller we and joking Darren about Brown. That. Like, oh, uh, you know, and... maybe one day we'll interview Teller. Like, you know, like, you know, that right, was like, exactly. it, it, it was yeah, a yeah, joke. Yeah. And um, <laughs> yeah. I honestly think here's, here's a little, here's a little, uh, uh, a quote. And this is one that's been bouncing around on the internet for a little bit. Um, Noah Kagan says this a bunch mm-hmm. as well, which is just do anything for 10 years and you'll be successful. And mm-hmm. like, like what a funny way to think about it, right? Like, you know, the podcast is mm-hmm. whatever it is, five years old or something or whatever. And like maybe in the last two years, it started to be fiscally successful. Right. And like for it to really, really succeed, it'll probably take another three or four years. Right. Like just in the reality, same as the Toronto Magic Company has been around for like four years. And like, yeah, we had some wins and that's great and whatever. But like you got to keep your head down and you got to work, work on the thing and Mm. do the thing and iterate and do it over and over again and do it over and over again. And like, that's it. There's no, there's no secret. Like there is no, nobody is going to tell you like, oh, you want to know the real secret to, to doing magic? Oh, here it is. Let me tell it to you. Here it is. You got to put your pinky in. The, no, it. There is no. There is no secret. The secret is you do it and 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 do it. There's no secret. I wish that there was. There's not. You do it. You learn. You edit. You do it again. Sometimes people think, um, you know, the secret is. Uh, the secret is figuring out which path to go down when really the secret is figuring out how long you can carry on going down the path without giving up and, and just so on and so forth, kind of like you're saying, until you do meet that success. And one of the that. big, one of the big uh, um, challenges of life. And I heard this on a TikTok. What a weird sentence. Um, <laughs> so, you know, he said that like one of the challenges <laughs> of modern life is that we've, you know, we've heard our parents and communities and whatever tell us over the last however many years that we can do anything and we can accomplish anything. And the reality is it's true. Here's the challenge. The challenge is that for you to achieve success in a thing, you have to not do a whole bunch of other things, Mm. right? And like, I can tell you guys something weird. I am ridiculously good at writing lyrics. 
yeah, yeah. And you didn't see that coming. I know you didn't. But like literally I can freestyle better than like when I watch somebody freestyle like rap, like I'm like, they are garbage. They are garbage. Right. Like there's maybe a handful of people that are really, really great. And like, I can literally do it better. I used to do it with my friends. <laughs> if you gave me a, a tune, I could write lyrics about this podcast episode that we did in record, record wow. time. Why am I well, telling you all of that? That I have this secret skill that I have? Why am I telling you that? Because in another life, I maybe wrote lyrics for Broadway musicals. But unfortunately, I don't have enough time in my day to run two companies and <laughs> write lyrics. I do not have the time. So I had to say, you know what? I think I probably... I'm going to have a better, more fun career in magic and entrepreneurship and podcasting than I am in lyric writing because there's less people doing it and I like it more and it's more fun for me and and da 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 and all these different stuff. And that's why I don't write lyrics. Do I sing songs that I make up on the spot around my house and hmm. people like my girlfriend and you know, my roommate or whatever are just like, how did you come up with that? That's crazy. Yes. It's like a magic trick for them. And still... I will never be a lyric writer ever in my life uh, because I know that I can't put 10 years into it ish, you know, more or less. Like I can put a couple weekends into it. I can write a fun thing if it's fun or it, but I can't put 10 years into it. So it's not how I'm spending my time. Yeah. And there's just on that, uh, on that angle, there's a, you know, when you, when I was learning copywriting, I guess I still am, you know, I shouldn't say when I was, I, I totally still am learning it, but there's a guy, um, maybe a, Right. Yeah. yeah, maybe you're familiar. Ben Settle. As we are learning. Of <laughs> I used uh, to get his emails every day until I was sick and tired of it. <laughs> How long did that take? How many years? Uh, a year. Oh, okay. That's a Do you get his emails every day? Uh, I get his newsletter. Yeah, that's what I mean. His email newsletter. Oh. He sends it daily. No, 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 no. But I get, I get, yeah, his, I get his physical. Oh, oh, you're you're subscribed to his. Uh, the yeah, yeah. I'm like a. Do I'm you like a, it? It's it's done great things for our business, so I got I want awesome. results. Good to hear. <laughs> That's good to hear. Um, anyway, no, yeah, he says yeah, in one of really his books. Um, yeah. uh, maybe he's quoting someone else. Uh, you know, you generally the first, I don't know, maybe, maybe for Ryan, the first 500,000 words you write are going to suck. So just write them as fast as you can. <laughs> maybe it wasn't 500,000. Oh, I love that. It's a big number. That's great. Yeah. And, guys, and maybe it's you, want to, you want me to give you an example? You guys just did an episode with John Gustafaro, yeah? Yeah, yeah. You know, he's awesome. He's super talented. When I did the episode mm -hmm. with Tyler, the introduction that we made to the episode, we made a pun that makes no sense. I literally was like, this is the recording of the intro. I'm going to I'm gonna dummy it for you. I literally <laughs> went, hey, Tyler, it looks like it's cold outside. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, there's a lot of snow there. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, what a gust of wind. I'm like, oh, yeah. And there's like, oh, there's a gust of far snow. And they were like, oh, well, now that we made that pun, let me introduce you to this episode. Like, guys, the stupidest freaking <laughs> intro in my life. I still regret <laughs> it to this day. But if I spent my life trying to go back to the old stuff and re-edit all the words that I said that I regret, I would honestly never be able to finish it. So like I said at the beginning, like, was every single episode I've done an absolute astounding success? No, I put my foot in my mouth so many times that, you know, I know the taste of feet. You know what I mean? But I think that I think that part of it is just like that. Yeah, I'm grateful that the episode I did with Teller happened in the last 12 months and not in the first 12 months mm -hmm. because the episode I did with Patrick Kuhn was brutal. I did a horror, I asked horrible questions and, and it was brutal. So, you know, I think that I think that um, I love that advice. The first 500,000 words you write 
are going to be crap. Or another way to say it is like every next thing you do will probably be a little bit better than the last mm. one. More yes, or why, why would you not just relentlessly do as many as you can? Yeah, and like thinking about it like, like, time, right? you know, like a stock market chart where like when you zoom out, or let's say S&P 500, just like when you zoom out, the line goes up. But when you zoom in, like, okay, maybe it went up now and then it was down. This one was better then this one was worse and like whatever. But overall, the line goes up, right? So no, I don't know that episode 13 was twice as good as episode right. six. You know, like that's not the case, but certainly episode mm -hmm. 200 was eons better than episode 20. Like no brain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's actually, there's a good inspirational quote about, well, I can't remember exactly who it was from. I think it was again from that Titans thing that we watched, Bench. But um, it was um, talking about if you can, even if you just say to yourself, okay, I'm going to improve by 1% every week this year. If you think about that by the end, and that sounds so small, right? Like Everyone can say, like, okay, maybe like I can improve by 1%. Percent, right? times, I think. Oh, no, no, sorry. sorry. I, think, well, I think it was 1% per each day, week, 50 and then by the end of the year, yeah, right. it's yeah, 7 well, times better, not 37%. Yeah, I mean, oh, you, yeah. Right, right. 30, yeah, yeah. you can check on that. Thirty-seven <laughs> times better, which is which Here, is. Let crazy. me run the cap. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it checks but, out. Yes, that was right. right. Wow. <laughs> I actually thought perfect. that was you tapping a cat. Wow. <laughs> now it's just me <laughs> running my nails on the table, just yeah. pretending. Uh... <laughs> but, I mean, yeah. It's anyway. The, the, where were we? So yeah, the, the the thing about starting. Yeah. So so it's weird, you know, how people get this thing like, oh, I don't want to start that because I'm not good at it. It's like, duh, <laughs> like. You, yeah, of course you know, not. you're not going to get good at it until you do however many so even with this podcast probably the first hundred we're not even going to get that good until a certain level and so i'm sorry johnny you have to be in the first you literally i'm hurt i'm hurt that okay. while you guys still suck uh i'm a partner i'm just kidding you guys are awesome this has been this has yeah. been really really epic so far thank you guys <laughs> yeah um well thanks man. by the way i'll give you a funny i'll give you a funny little story about yeah. people yeah, yeah, not yeah. Uh, next time we'll have uh, a not doing things you know I, I help a lot of magicians right now with their virtual magic and it's so funny when i hear somebody say to me like um, you know, now it's like, we're recording this in February of 2021. And they're like, um, you know, I'm still working on the show. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and the joke that I posted online, maybe the other day is I said, like, if it takes you two and a half years to write your virtual magic show, you missed it. <laughs> you missed it. Right. And like, and I mean, hopefully, hopefully, you know, the, the you know, right. this whole thing wraps up and, and, uh, and obviously, <laughs> you know, there may be virtual or maybe a hybrid or, you know, whatever the case may be, but like you missed it. And anybody who who is saying to me like hey i'm, yeah. I'm thinking of starting to write my virtual or, or here's a good one i got somebody said to me they're like um i've now written my third virtual show uh i'm gonna be writing one more and then i want to start selling tickets and i'm like mm. huh like what like what on earth what on earth could you be talking about like the best magicians on the planet do the same show over and over and over again. And like, just go do it, do the show, do it. Eventually it'll be better. Just do the show. Like, you know, I almost have, I don't, but I almost have like, when people tell me they're working on something, I almost am like pissed. <laughs> like, I'm almost like, just do it. What are you working on? What does that even mean? Like, what are you working on? You know? And like, a lot of the times I'm wrong. A lot of the times people are actually working on stuff, but a lot of the times like I'm working on means nothing. It means it's sitting there. I more or less have the confidence to do it, but not really. And maybe one day I will have the confidence to, to actually start doing this thing. And I'm like, please just do it. Just start it. Please, 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 please. Mm. <laughs> yeah, definitely. hundred percent. The, the, 
the analogy I heard about this, again, this is from the same podcast, My First Million. I think everyone should listen to it. It's a good podcast. It's fun. Um, is And they were talking about the time at like, you know, if you're getting offered a job at maybe like an early stage startup and, and people have this weird thing where they sort of bicker and like try and like negotiate exactly what role they get and, and the title they get. And it's like, bro, if you're being offered a seat on a rocket ship, don't, no, sorry. If you're getting the chance to go on a rocket ship, don't ask which seat. Just like get on it. You know? <laughs> so as long as that's it's, smart, great. it's good, it's like just get on. And, and maybe it's the same thing as a virtual. I think that's what you're saying. It's like, dude, like don't worry about exactly which seat you're sitting on. Just like get on the rocket, otherwise you're going to miss it, you know? Yeah. The same as like people like investing $10,000 in their virtual setup before they've done one mm. show. And I'm like, huh? Like, do the show and then you'll know what you mm. need, right? Like, isn't it obvious? You know, one of the jokes I've been telling for a long time, not not a joke, but you guys will get it, is that the hardest job ever on the planet to do is an astronaut. And the reason is because by the time that you actually get to go to space, if you don't like it, it's too late, mm. right? And obviously right, it's right. a joke, you know, that, you know, they do all their like tests and stuff, or whatever, but like if you're in the rocket on the way up to space and then you realize you're claustrophobic, then it's too late, right? Like it, 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 you know, like you've already spent your whole life working mm. on the thing. So why do I say that is like, we all don't have to be astronauts. We don't have to like secretly work on something for 10 years before we actually do it or show it to anybody or whatever. Instead, we can just like do the thing. And then, uh, yeah, eventually like we don't, we can try going to space. And then if we like it, we can keep going to space. And if we don't like it, then we stop going to space. So like in the virtual magic example, it's like, if you want to do virtual magic, hey, do one. If you like to do more, if so, invest in your stuff. If you don't like it or it wasn't good or whatever, great news. You just saved yourself a whole bunch of money. Mm -hmm. did, was that, did we lose Jonah for a minute? Or? Oh, am I, do you guys lose me? No, well, I think you just ended with an abrupt start. I was like, oh, great. Did we no, get, no, did no. We get a tech issue? I didn't. I get really excited <laughs> and then I get really quiet, you know? Yeah. Uh, you yeah. definitely fooled us there. Um, <laughs> then it just... Yeah, no. Uh, how about, okay, we get, I, have a, I have two notes and then we have one question we like to wrap things up with. And just to, just to quickly, quickly interject, mm. um, I did have a call, but I missed it. But don't worry, I will call them. I will call them again. So don't worry. But I do have a hard stop at 110. Mm -hmm. Okay. In that case, I think... Okay, I guess we'll just jump straight into it. Yeah, we can. Let's I mean, just, the one thing I was going to point out, just because yeah, it's, it's obviously Dean, it's in my, in my mind cool. that I, I wrote down earlier, was uh, not to be a dead horse with a look thing, but I think the distinction between, you know, saying like, oh, I'm I'm lucky because all these things happened in my past. I guess if, if you're asking someone that question, it, it's more about how lucky do you think you are, like on a day to day basis, versus like how lucky were you, you know? Because I think that's a big sort of difference in the way you perceive yourself as like, I honestly do not like think that in today, like if you said like starting right now, do you think yourself to be lucky? I would say like, I think myself to be fortunate, you know, that I, that I have all the things that I have right now and that I was able to, to, to be able to kind of start from here, assuming we're talking about starting. But in terms of lucky, like, no, I, I, I basically feel like every sale I've ever made came from me working on getting the sale and every uh like thing i've ever launched yeah, yeah. you know maybe maybe yeah. maybe Unfortunately. a way better way to phrase the question <laughs> would be um you know if other people had to rate how lucky you were you know if you if you said to a friend who doesn't see the behind the scenes like how lucky is this guy and oh, they i'm sure everyone would think that i'm the luckiest man ever right like, and i think sure. maybe that maybe that is the metric after because i think most people if they're smart enough will say like oh maybe i'm maybe i'm not lucky but if you just ask people around them they're like oh yeah they're super lucky they, they do stuff and it works and obviously they don't see all the the stuff that you you see but 
yeah, maybe that's a better way of phrasing it. So I'm, I'm glad we we reached that. Uh, Jacob, do you want to do you want to ask the, the final question, and then we can we can let sounds so intense. The final <laughs> question is sure. It is this. This is this is our big boy question, uh, and I think I mean, if you, you say to rank myself through, from one to ten in terms but, of luck, um, I'm leaving <laughs> straight up. <laughs> <laughs> let's just keep going about luck for a few more minutes <laughs> no uh why so really there's a lot of problems I'm in the world obviously okay. <laughs> this, this is going a little bit deep yeah you know you might have noticed um but um so the kind of the question comes up then if there's so many problems why do we spend so much time solving magical problems i guess right um but like what is I guess is, I mean, in a big way, like, what is the point of magic to you? Like, why should people do magic? Why do you continue to do magic? I know that you've said, you know, you do it less than you did, but yeah, cause it's, it's what do you think the point about this of early, magic you know, We talked about is, opportunity cost, and you talked about how you could have done that lyric thing. And I guess it's just this, but broader, like, for the whole niche, you know, like magic as, as a thing, you know, why, why should people do magic when they could use that mental effort doing some yeah, of Yeah, so maybe I'll give you the deep answer, and then I'll give you the, the, the shallow answer. Um, the, the deep answer is that I think that magic offers something that other arts do not, which is the opportunity to have the rug of life pulled out from under you. And I'm going to do a lot of paraphrasing of Garrett Thomas because I think that he expresses this stuff very clearly. But he says, most of the time in life when our world is shook, when our world is shaken and we have to reevaluate the way that we think things work, um, it's usually speaking a negative. You know, somebody in our family dies and we think about that we're not spending enough time with our family or we put all of our money in GameStop and then we realize that where we should actually be getting advice from on the internet or, or, <laughs> or uh, whatever, whatever what? million other different things that. that happens. Usually it's like a rude awakening, right? Mm. And what magic is, is it's an opportunity for you to have an awakening, have a, a, a get shook. Um, without your life uh, drastically changing. And it's kind of a safe environment. It's kind of like falling, uh, free falling, but in a safe, in a safe environment. So the, the like, you know, intellectual answer that I have for this is like, I think there will always be magic because I think that magic offers something that other arts do not, which is being fooled. And I think that it, it, honestly like does something to a person that other arts really 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 um do not offer um in in a in a quite serious way i think blowing someone's mind with a magic trick is quite possibly earth shattering i mean not every trick you know some tricks are comedy magic and some tricks are whatever but like it is earth shattering in the world right now that we can just Google absolutely everything. And then all of a sudden something happens that you legitimately do not understand. You know, it's not real because the guy was joking about fart jokes while he was doing it, but he, you know, he, he did it. So you know that it kind of happened. I think that's a real positive for, for people, especially right now, you know, like, like QAnon, you know, like anybody who's on QAnon is not a critical thinker. You know what I mean? So like, you know, to have people realize that what they know about the world could be wrong and all that stuff uh, is, I think, really, really important. That all being said, um, I think magic is fun. I think it's great. I love anybody who dedicates their life to, like, medicine. 
um, or whatever the case may be. But you know what doctors do after the end of a long workday? They go and watch a Marvel movie. And it was an artist that made that, right? And Or they go and see a magic show. And it was an artist that made that. <laughs> and fortunately, um, and I, I didn't study art theory, but I recommend if you guys are going to be asking this question to everybody, that you do study some art theory, which is that art shows up in a society after it has achieved a after the society has achieved a certain level of stability that now there is a you know like a positive fun thing that is not necessarily directly for you know the economics you can think of like how many less museums and paintings there are in countries that are are struggling right so i think that like i'm very fortunate to be living in a time and in a space where art is valued. Um, virtual is a really, really concise example where like, you know, you have a company who spent the last eight months working from home. Everybody from the CEO to the accountant, like just despises life, you know, like, I mean, not necessarily, but it's certainly worse off for many people than it was when they were in the office. And now, the company needs more than ever some sort of fun entertainment. It could be an escape room. It could be a, a wine tasting. It could be like a virtual magic show. They need something to give their people, to show them they care, to give them some fun, to wake them up, da 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 So I think we are still serving a need. I think that, you know, the stuff that we do, people like and people want, we are not just peddling nonsense. I mean, maybe some of you are, uh, but I think that when somebody sees a show uh, that I put on, it solves a need, whether that need is a break from reality or a little bit of uh, happiness or to shake their world or whatever it is. I think it serves a need. And we're fortunate to be living in a society where, um, you know, art makes a lot of money art makes a lot of people happy the amount of money that and i'm using marvel as an example because it's gargantuan but also because i'm i'm butchering a stan lee quote about how like you know artists are the people that you know art art is so critical in the world music and all this different stuff that no matter how much you're working on no matter how what incredible mm -hmm. things you're accomplishing you're probably uh engaging in some sort of art so i think that we're fortunate enough to live in a society that what I do is actually valuable. And I don't think that for us to say like, hey, is what I'm doing less valuable than being a doctor? I don't know. It's a hard question to ask. AI seems to be able to do the job of a doctor better than they can. So, uh, you know, I'm not really sure. But then again, doctors save people lives and I do card tricks. So I think that like, I don't want to walk around thinking that as a magician, I am doing a a fun, random, playful, silly, stupid thing for work instead of something real and valuable, important. I don't think that that's a, a good view of it. Yes, I understand I could have spent my time being an, an analyst for a whatever and making more money for some suit or something else like that. Like, that's totally fine. But I think for me, very, very fortunate that I and I think we live in a society where art is valued and it's important and i'm i'm happy to be a part of that that journey for people great answer um i know you have to, to have to run so i guess we'll huh. wrap up if you've been listening to this and you want to attend unconventional.fun um, well, there you go that's the link unconventional.fun um we also have a couple more free gifts to you free gifts for you if you go to 
uh, discourse in magic.com is a free kind of virtual strategy uh offering that will that will teach you everything you need to know about making your virtual magic better than it has been um uh, not to insult anybody, but I'm, I'm sure you could learn a lot from Jordan and the stuff he's put together there. Sorry, let me just be clear. That pamphlet is about kind of pricing mm-hmm. and selling and packaging your virtual stuff. I do not teach you guys what tricks to do in your virtual magic show. I, I can't help you with that. <laughs> I, I mean, I could, but but uh, you don't want me to help you with it. The guy that tells you <laughs> likes magic but loves entrepreneurship is not the guy you want writing your virtual magic show for you. But I can definitely help you sell it more. <laughs> Yeah. And if you want a free stuff from us as well, you can head over to uh, thedailymagician.com slash books. Uh, there you will find a collection of, of 24 magic books uh, that we think are, are pretty great. And, and they're, they're all for free, they're all public domain. So head over to uh, right. thedailymagician.com slash books. Okay. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. Guys, thank you for giving thank us so you much so, for your so, time. So, so much. Really, you guys we do two appreciate intelligent, it. Intelligent, awesome magicians asking great questions. I don't think we even talked about magic even remotely. Um, but um, really, really awesome to to you know hear about the fun stuff you guys are doing and connect with you guys and and congrats on all the success you guys are having and love to hear that you're learning from awesome people like you know Ben Settle and and uh, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk and and Noah Kagan and I have full faith that you guys are going to be successful, but just like we said, it might take 10 years, but I have full faith that you guys are going to crush it. So keep doing, keep doing, well, I don't know how long you're into it, six months, a year, I don't know, We're on the road. Uh, two years, but uh, 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 keep doing it because this is a lot of fun. And I think you guys are providing a lot of value for people. So thank you. Thanks, we really appreciate that. And uh, yeah, I guess uh, like Jake thank said, you so much. thanks for coming on. We'll wrap this up now. And let me give, let me give two shameless clear plugs. First shameless clear plug, if you were excited about unconventional.fun, all the random stuff that we talked about, uh, definitely, definitely, definitely go to unconventional.fun. That's the website and the name of the convention and check it out. The second... We'll, we'll link it in the, in the bio as well of the podcast. Thank we'll you so much for that. And the second so thing is, if you currently have a virtual magic show or you are entering the world of virtual magic and you need help selling it, you need help uh, just basically getting more leads, selling your stuff better, or having systems in your business so that you don't have to spend every waking minute working on this stuff, go to m.me slash discourse in magic, which will also hopefully be a link. Um, and then just send me the word upgrade because I run a program called Upgrade Academy. And so far in the last eight months, I've helped 38 magicians uh, go virtual, enter the virtual world and and, and uh, crush it. So it's one of the things I'm most proud of, kind of like, uh, I, thank it. you so much. I don't publish live da, 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 that I do it. You kind of have to enter my world to know a little bit about it. But if that's you, if I just described you um, pretty well and you need help growing, Go to m.me slash discourse of magic or just click the link that they're going to give you guys and just send me the word upgrade and then I'll get you all the info about what it looks like. Okay, perfect. Thank you guys. Thanks so much again. And uh, I guess we'll close out the podcast there.